Well, as many of you know, if you've been attending Celebration Church for any length of time and have been here at least this year, you know that one of the themes, one of the areas that we've been focusing on as a church, and Pastor Mark has been focusing on in his messages, is talking a little bit about one of the values, one of the things that we believe so strongly at Celebration Church, and that is what what does it mean to belong, to belong to the church, to belong to the body of Christ. It's a theme. What does it mean to belong? I want to start out this morning by showing you a quick video clip. The quality is not all that good, but I know that you will enjoy it. asking, what's that got to do with the message? I have absolutely no idea. (laughs) I I saw the whole clip, by the way, Mr. Bean goes to church. Get on Google or YouTube, and uh, it's about a 10 minute long, really good. But my guess is it's probably some of you may have arrived on a Sunday morning on occasions and come to Celebration Church, maybe for the first time, and felt a little bit like Mr. Bean there. All right, I know the clip I didn't show was where he falls asleep in church. I know many of you have come to church before and fallen asleep in service as well all right but a, just a wonderful expression here him coming to church now when we hear the word church many of us our our thoughts and our minds go com- to something completely different on many occasions we hear the word church and if i were to take the time this morning to ask around and say what do you think about when you hear the word church i'm sure there'll be all kinds of ideas all kinds of thoughts all kinds of th- Um, ideas that would come out of it. Let me take you on a little bit of a journey here this morning, all right, to start out our message. If I could get all of us together and we could all board a 747 jumbo jet airplane 
fly across the sea and land in a little city called Rustenburg, South Africa. If I could get us all into a couple of buses and we'd head down the road and we'd turn down this little street. The name of the street is Klopper Street. And go to the end of the street. And at the end of the street, a little compound out there, a little uh, op- uh, place. And in that area, there'd be a little white building. Small little building. Little building that if you were to open the doors, you'd probably be able to find enough seating for maybe, at the very most, 100 people. Boy, they'd be shoulder to shoulder. Squeezed into that little building. If you were to go to the back part of the building and you look up and you see the beam that's, that's, that's holding up that little building, holding the roof on that building, written on that beam would be the words, Die tot my komt sal Translation, They that come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Ever heard that before? Scripture. That little Lutheran mission station that was built way back in the early 1800s, is a church, a church building, where people gather together to celebrate and worship God. Let me give you another. Let's fly back to the United States. Take a trip and stop off in a city called Topeka, Kansas. Anybody know of Topeka, Kansas? I had the opportunity this past weekend of participating in a wedding in Topeka, Kansas. Didn't know where Topeka, Kansas was. Found out where Kansas was, but struggled to find Topeka, Kansas, but we made it. First Presbyterian Church of Topeka, Kansas. Beautiful, beautiful facility. Beautiful cathedral. Massive ceilings that went way up to the top. Beautiful stained glass windows. You sit there and just get mesmerized looking at the stained glass window. Beautiful, beautiful organ. And you turn around and look up at the balcony and uh, uh, of, the, of that First Presbyterian Church in Topeka, Kansas, and see the pipe organs, enormous pipes that are part of the, the pipe organ. Organs at the front of the church, the pipes are at the back of the church. I guess back in the early 1800s, they must have had Wi-Fi or something. I don't know how they got those connected, but they did. Beautiful, old, stately church building. The church, maybe that's what you would think of. How about the Mandan Islands? I spoke to a couple this week that are missionaries there with navigators. She's a nurse practitioner. He has a business degree. But the two of them decided, through the nudging of the Holy Spirit, to go to another part of the world where the only mode of transportation from one island to the other, where groups of people are living, is by boat. And probably not a very safe way to travel either. But going to these, these islands and, and sharing with the gospel, in fact, having to do it in such an undercover, covert way, that when they're sharing, they're actually going as tourists to the people there and in talking to them, sharing with them about the gospel of Jesus Christ and seeing and creating and building a church. Maybe that's your thought of church. Let me take you to one other place this morning. Come with me to 3475 Humboldt Road. Anybody ever been there before? You found it this morning. Celebration Church Bayside Campus. Green Bay, Wisconsin. Maybe that's your thought when the word church is mentioned. Pulling in the facility, coming to a building, a place like we have here at the Bayside Campus, a structure, a facility as wonderful as we have. 
That may be what you see as church. That's what the church is. And by the way, I have a confession to make. All right? Is it okay for a pastor to make a confession from the pulpit? Hang on, it's all right. It's not going to be that bad, I promise. (laughs) But I have a confession to make. And just praying about it and thinking about this message, and as we were driving home from Oklahoma yesterday, I felt the Lord say something to me that I want to share with you as a congregation, a challenge. One of my duties as the Bayside Campus pastor and my responsibility here with Celebration Church is that I'm the one that usually has the wonderful privilege of signing every check that leaves this place. And on the 12th of every month, around about the 12th of every month, I sign a check that goes to pay for the mortgage on this facility. And as many of you know, there's a large uh, debt outstanding on this facility. But God has given us this facility. And, and, and there was a season, and there has been a season, particularly in the last number of months as we've gone through a bit of a challenging time <clears throat> financially here at, at uh, Celebration Church. There were times where, I've got to say to you, I've signed that check kind of begrudgingly. Oh. And I felt yesterday, God, you know, how many of you have ever had God slap them before? I kind of felt like I got a slap. Now, I don't have any bruises to show for it. <clears throat> but I felt God say to me, Lathan, I want you from now on. When you sign that check and you send it off for the, for the mortgage and for the payment on this, on this facility... Instead of being downcast because of what, it's, what that cost is and the, the, and, the, and, the, and the debt load, sign that check with joy in your heart, thanksgiving in your heart, that God has provided a place, a building, that we could gather together to celebrate Him, to learn about Him, to be challenged by Him, to be, to be matured by, by God, so that we can go into all the world and preach the gospel. In other words, see it as a positive. Amen. So the 12th of this month, I'll be signing a check. And I want to encourage you, if you remember the 12th of the month, thank God there has been much sacrifice that went into this facility and having what we have here today. And it's awesome. I mean, we thank God for it. It's giving us the opportunity to be able to reach and impact the world around about us. We thank God for that light, for that light, that light, that light, that, that light, that, 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 there's a lot of lights to thank God for. But the fact is that God has given us a place that every inch of this building and this property can be used for His glory. Not that we could sit back and say, have you seen our facility? Have you seen how beautiful our building is? Have you seen how comfortable our chairs are? Do you know that I sit on a seat in the front that says reserved? No but that this facility can be used for the glory of God. Is that what comes to your mind when you hear the word church? When you hear the word church, is it a building? And yes, buildings are part of gathering together. Maybe for some, when you hear the word church, you see words like, or hear words like praise, or programs, or population, or maybe even for some of you, it may be, professionalism or or maybe kind of formalism. What are the thoughts that come to your mind? I want to suggest to us this morning that when we hear the word church, and even though it may be centered in a facility, or the first thought that may come to our, our mind may be a building, I want to suggest to us that what it is to belong to the church, to belong to the family, to belong to the body of Christ, 
It's all about people. People. You are the church. If you're a born-again believer, if you've accepted Christ into your life this morning, you're the church. You are the body of Christ. You are the body. The head of the body is Jesus, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and we make up the body that we may impact the world around about us. Every color, every tongue, every uh, shape, every size, whether you have hair on your head, whether you have no hair on your head, whether you're covered in tattoos or you would never put a ta- have a tattoo, da- whether you are buff like I am or whether you're fat like you are. Whoever you are, people, people, people make up the church. You know, I love to watch people. A couple of weeks ago was our anniversary, our 35th wedding anniversary. We went down to Chicago. And it was a great, a great couple of days. Yes, 35 years. Amen. My wife's not in this service. She's, uh, she'll be, she was in the first service, so I can say it this time. You know, I'm just copying my senior pastor. He says, you know, he's been married for so many years, and it's like 10 minutes, isn't it? 10 minutes underwater? Uh, but uh, <laughs> He said it, I didn't. Anyway, uh, 35 years, all right? And we went on our anniversary down to Chicago. And it, it, we were right downtown Chicago. And while my wife went into the stores to shop, and while she went into the stores to shop, and while she went into the stores to shop, and then she went into the other store to shop, I went in the one door, turned around, went out the door, and stood on the street corner. Just watching the people. Man, there are some strange people in Chicago. <laughs> there were some fat ones, thin ones, hairy ones, ugly ones, handsome ones, rich ones, poor ones. Come to find out three days later in the very shop that we were shopping at, there was a, a shooting that took place. I'm glad I wasn't there on that day. But anyway, <laughs> it would never happen in Green Bay, Wisconsin. People. People. Celebration Church, Bayside Campus, God loves people. Again, the building that we have, wonderful. But you know what? You know, God forbid that it happens in the next couple of weeks, but, you know, if we were to have a tornado or something, you know, this building is not, not going to be here for eternity. But people, our lives, our spirits, our souls, we, will be, we live for eternity. People. God loves people. Let me read you a verse of scripture. It's from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 out of the New International Version, first of all. It says this, As you come to Him, to Christ, all right? As you come to Christ, the living stone. He's alive. By the way, if you doubt that this morning, I want to say to you from the bottom of my heart, based upon God's word and based upon what has happened in my life and many people sitting here this morning, that Jesus is alive. Yes, he is alive. And because he is alive, I can experience life and life more abundant. All right, the living stone. Rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to Him. Now listen. It says, you also like living stones. You see, He is the living stone. 
that we base our life on, that the cornerstone that we build our building on, not a physical building, but the body of Christ. And then each one of us, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The Message Bible says it this way. Welcome to the living stone. Again, Jesus Christ, the source of life. The workman took one look and threw it out. God set it in the place of honor. Now, present yourselves as building stones for the construction of a sanctuary vibrant with life. You see, the building of the church is the people. The people that become living stones and the construction of a sanctuary vibrant with life. The sanctuary is not the building that we are part in. The sanctuary is the people of God, vibrant with life as the life of God is flowing in and through them. He goes on to say, in which you'll serve as holy priests, offering Christ-approved lives up to God. Ephesians 5, 29 and 30 says this, After all, no one ever hates his own body, but he feeds and cares for it. How many of you agree with that? We feed and care for it. Some of us feed our bodies a whole lot better than others do. All right? Feed and care for it. Just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. What does it mean to belong to the church? Belong to the body of Christ. The church's people, bought with a price, bought with the blood of Jesus. That has changed our hearts and our lives. When we look in the book of Acts, if you read the book of Acts, you see a picture of a of church. You see the picture of the life of church. You see the people, simple, pure, faithful, loyal. These characteristics that kind of form a hedge around this body, this church, that the Holy Spirit is able to pour out His power into their lives and so impact the world that they were a part of. If you remember the story how the Pharisees came and challenged Jesus at one time and they said to Jesus, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Kind of in the picture I'm trying to, analogy I'm trying to paint for us today. It's kind of like the, maybe the Pharisees or someone coming up and saying, uh, um, Jesus, or what, what's the most beautiful building you've ever been in? That's the church. What was Jesus' response? He didn't say, well, let me think about it. You know, I think that building on 3475 Humboldt Road in Green Bay, Wisconsin is the most beautiful building I've ever been in. No, what did he say? He said, you know what the church is and how the church should respond? Is that we to love the Lord our God with all the greatest commandment, with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our being. And to love our neighbor as ourselves. Basically, Jesus said, people. It's all about people. God cares for people. And he uses people to care for people. Love people. Love. Heal people, heal. Cared for people, care for. I want to take a moment this morning in the time that I have left. I want to just share with you a couple of characteristics of what this building could look like or should look like or what I believe the Word of God challenges us as a body, as as the Bayside Campus, a celebration church, for this to look like. Now, I've got six of them. I'm not going to get anywhere near. Probably just get done with the first one. All right? But it's fortunate. They all begin with an F because when you're 56 years old, If you can get everything to begin with an F, you're doing pretty good. And that's why you can remember it, all right? But let me read the the list to you real quick. The last ones won't mean anything, but the first one will. It says six characteristics of a building designed for God. 
And again, we're talking about the people. First of all, forgiving people. People that know all about friendship. People that know how to experience the filling of God. The fee that it costs. The fellowship that comes from it. And the feeling that we can experience. But number one, and we'll probably only be able to cover this one. The forgiveness. Forgiveness is part of the design for the body, for the church, that you and I can belong to and be a part of. Let's talk about this first one, forgiveness. It involves five things. First of all, forgiveness demands a choice. You've got to choose it. It demands a choice. I have to choose to forgive. I've got to choose to forgive no matter how hard it is. You know, we don't have the excuse of coming and saying, it's just too hard. Have you ever felt like there's someone that you have to forgive that, man, if you had the option not to forgive them, you would choose that option every time. It's just so hard. But if we're going to be and allow the building of the, of, of the, the, part, the church that we're a part of, if we're going to belong to the church, we've got to learn how to choose to forgive. We pray that Lord's Prayer every single Sunday when we gather together. Why? Just because we like to stand up? And hopefully get it in time, not like Mr. Bean, but all of us get up at the same time and, and then recite something together? Is that why? No. Part of it is the declaration. We're confessing this very truth of, that is prayed in the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus said this, forgive us as we forgive those that have sinned against us. God, forgive us of our sins, forgive us of our debts as we forgive those that have sinned against us. Anybody ever found that to be hard? That can be difficult, right? Forgiveness is a choice. It doesn't happen by default. It doesn't happen by default. It's a choice that we have to make. The second characteristic of this, it demands going out of our way. You see, sometimes when we have forgiven, it demands that we have to let the people know that they've forgiven. Remember in Matthew, Jesus said this. He said, if you come... And to the altar with your gifts and praise and thanksgiving to God. And you present your gifts to the altar. And remember that you have ought against your brother or they have ought against you. What does it say? Leave your gifts at the altar. Go get reconciled. And then come back and worship me. It it requires us to go out of our way to do something. It becomes a lifestyle. A lifestyle. Jesus said to Peter, you know, forgiving, 70 times 7. 70 times 7. Forgiveness, important part of who we are. So it demands that we go out of of our way. Forgiveness, if we're building this habitation, if we're building this church that we want to belong to and be a part of, it comes from the heart. Basically, what I mean by that is, I cannot go on thinking about the wrong things that were done. And most of all, I cannot go on talking about the wrong things that were done. In fact, I choose to forgive to refuse, to repeat, to talk about the things that I'm forgiving and I'm walking in forgiveness, particularly to other people. Characteristics of that forgiveness. It also demands facing the truth, that I come to the place. Forgiveness demands me standing up and saying, Lord, I I take ownership of the truth of the sin in my life. And I realize that, that my forgiveness is based upon me being Uh, taking ownership of that and asking you to forgive me. We sometimes find it so hard to forgive because we fail to see the the sin in our life 
Because we're so busy looking at the sin in someone else's life. And we have not walked away from that. We, we fail to see that the cross, the power of the cross that we sung about this morning, the power of the cross that's symbolized by the cross that's hanging up in front of our church here, that the power of the cross is a glimpse of what God did when, he, when Jesus died on that cross for us. When Jesus, even on that cross, said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Facing the truth. Facing the truth. You know, sometimes we have to think of some of the things that we've done against God. And yet, He's forgiven us. You know, if I stop for a time and I just kind of meditate, and I think, God, boy, there was a season in my life where I rebelled against You. I didn't want anything to know about You. I ran from You. I, you know, you name it. I ran from you, tried to avoid what, what you had in my life, yet you forgave me. Yet you forgave me. And so the same thing happens when people, and we around about us, sin and walk in sin and they need to be forgiven and maybe they've harmed you, maybe they've said something about you, maybe they've ignored you, maybe they've spread a rumor about you, maybe there's been something, and yet God says, forgive. Building that part of that habitation. Building the church that God has in store for us. Unforgiveness brings division and disharmony. Forgiveness brings unity. And church, Bayside Campus, when there is unity, that's where God can pour out His blessing and bring about an anointing upon our lives that can, be, can touch the world around about us. Can touch the world around about us. Psalm 133 verse 3. It talks about that unity. It talks about, For there the Lord bestows His blessing, even life forever, where there is unity. That's a part of what God has for us. Forgiveness. I want to just share one more briefly with you, and then we're going to move into our time of communion. But I want to share this one about the cost. There is a fee. There's a fee to be a part of the body of Christ, and that is a cost of love. You know, there's a, there's a cost involved. Uh, it demands demonstrating understanding. It demands patience. It demands gentleness. It demands graciousness. That we have to make room for people's pain in their past. You see, one of the things that we talk about, that we belong, a church that challenges people to belong to the body, to the church. We, we use the phrase that it's a place where people can feel safe enough to fail. That even in times when they seem failing and we can still be there for them that it's a cost there's a cost involved in it. we must bear one another's burdens it demands encouraging one another it demands extending hospitality it demands giving and accepting it demands response of a practical walk with god what does the church look like to you when the church is mentioned when you talk about going to church what does that look like to you and to me is it that we understand that it's people. People that Jesus died for. People that Jesus loves. People that, are, that we as a church, at Celebration Church, are looking to embrace and to love. And say, yes, we have the truth that comes from God's Word. We know that Jesus is the answer to your need and your situation. I'm going to invite our ushers if they would come and if the worship team would return back this morning to the stage and as we prepare this morning for communion we're going to be in a few moments partaking of communion together we're going to be holding in our hand a piece of bread that represents the body of Christ a cup 
that represents the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. We're going to be sharing with that this morning. But someone here today in the service this morning, I believe, is going to be taking a step of faith and becoming a part of belonging to the church, the body of Christ, the family of God, for the very first time. And how does that happen? How do we do that? Well, it's quite simple, actually. We come to God and we realize that we have sinned. And even as we have been here this morning, whether it's in our worship time, in our prayer time, or even as God's Word is being spoken this morning, you're sensing in your heart this uncomfortable feeling, maybe, or this inside of you that, that the Holy Spirit is nudging on you and saying, you need to get right. You, you, you need Jesus. You need to forgiveness of your sins. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. It's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. It's not your husband nudging you. It's not your wife elbowing you. It's the Holy Spirit. This is a really important part of our service. A very important step. In a few moments, I'm going to pray a very simple prayer, and I'm going to invite each one of you to repeat that prayer after me. Those born-again believers that are here and those that, 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 that don't know the, the Lord this morning yet, and we're going to pray that prayer together. You may say to me, Pastor Lathan, is it really that simple? Is it that easy? My answer to you this morning is this. For you, it is as simple as putting your faith in the cross of Jesus. Putting your faith in the fact that Jesus died on that cross, shed your blood, shed his blood for your forgiveness of sins. He paid the price for your sin that you could never pay. It's as simple as that for you. Is it simple, was it simple for Jesus? No. He suffered. But he knew that as he, what he had to do, that he was to come and give his life, shed his blood, so that you and I could have forgiveness of our sins. I'm going to invite you this morning, if, if you would just bow your heads with me. And again, if you would just pray this simple prayer with me this morning, and if you're praying at the, this prayer this morning for the first time from, the, from your heart, you're saying, I need you, Lord. Things have been, you know, been good. I, I, you know, I'm a good person. I, I haven't done anything wrong. Or maybe you think, boy, I tell you what, I, in such a mess, I don't know which way to turn. Maybe someone here this morning is in a place where they think, you know, I one time had a real good relationship with God, and I, 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 I was a born again believer. I was. But man, things have got really, really cold. And I, I don't even know whether even hears me when I pray anymore. Maybe this morning is the time f for you to restore that relationship with Him. So with, while every head is bowed, if you just repeat this prayer after me this morning, based upon God's Word, life, that living stone that you can build your life on, will become real in your heart and your life. Would you repeat these words after me? Dear Lord Jesus, Something in my heart tells me I need you. I now confess my sin and repent of my sin. And by faith, ask you to come into my life as my personal Savior and my Lord. Now, if you just keep your heads bowed for just a moment. Everybody with their head bowed. I want to ask you to do one other thing for me. If you prayed that prayer this morning for the very first time and you know that, that this is a prayer that you've 
asking Christ to come and forgive you of your sin, I want you to, at this very moment, just look up at me and look, wait, let me catch your, your eye and attention. Just look right up at me. In fact, look past me. Look up at the cross that's behind me. Because it's the cross that sets us free from sin and death. God bless you. Thank you for doing that. Taking that step. Taking that step. Father, I thank you for those this morning that have prayed this prayer, accepted you into their life as their personal Savior. Thank you, Father, that your word says that it's like the light of Jesus just gets turned on in their lives and that their eternity is secure in you. And Father, we thank you for each person this morning that has accepted you as their personal Savior. And as we, in a few moments, take communion together, as we remember what you did for us on the cross, as each one of us remember how you suffered and died and shed your blood, and as we partake of that bread and we partake of that cup that represents your body and your blood, Father, may we be reminded and allow you to challenge our lives. If there's anything in our life that this building, this church, belonging to the body of Christ, that, Father, you would take this time and to bring healing and wholeness and forgiveness to each one of us. And we thank you for that. And we pray it in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen.